Hello, and welcome to MGMA Small Talk, where we discuss issues facing practice administrators across the healthcare world. I'm Shannon Geis, staff writer and editor at MGMA, and today I'm speaking with Greg Feltenberger, Chief Executive Officer of Idaho Urologic Institute in Meridian, Idaho, and a co-author of the new book, Benchmarking Tools to Increase Efficiency and Practice Profitability. Greg will also be presenting a session about benchmarking at the MGMA 2017 Annual Conference in Anaheim, California, October 8th through 11th. Greg is here with us today to talk about why benchmarking is important and how to use benchmarking tools to increase your practice's efficiency. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Shannon. Um, so first, if you want to just kind of explain what benchmarking is, give us a sort of a definition of, of what that really means um, and why you feel it's useful. Okay. So maybe from the simplest standpoint, a benchmark is really something to compare yourself against. <clears throat> so getting out of healthcare for just a second, mm -hmm. just to make the explanation really as simple as possible, is if, as an example, um, you, you had great gas mileage in, in your car and your gas mileage was, say, 40 miles per gallon or better, that 40 miles per gallon or better would be the bench, benchmark with which you would compare maybe another car of some type. So obviously if you were below, you don't necessarily have great gas mileage. And so just from a pure comparison standpoint, that's kind of what the core definition of a benchmark is. It's just something to compare yourself against. And you may or be you may be above, you may be below, but that's kind of dependent on what the benchmark is and kind of where you see yourself uh, from from a standpoint of whether it's positive or negative to be above or below. Sure. And and so it's useful in just um, sort of understanding where you are in comparison to yourself, others, both? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of difficult to figure out where you want to go if you don't know where you are. So you, you kind of grasped onto that perfectly is, you know, a, a benchmark that's kind of the standard again, kind of outside of healthcare is they have the U.S. Geological Survey benchmarks that those are those little markers they put on top of mountains and things like that, and it tells you what true north is. So from that standpoint, that is a benchmark as well. And depending on where you are in relation to that, that's the comparison part. Pretty straightforward, I think. Um, so what are some of the specific ways that benchmarking or measuring uh, certain data points can really benefit a practice administrator? So I kind of go back to a quote that I, I don't know where it came from, but I, it's in the book. It's a great quote, or you can't manage it if you don't measure it. So from an administrator's standpoint, I mean, that's one of the core areas to kind of focus on is in order to manage different workflows processes within your organization, you kind of need to know where you're at. And the, the ideal way to do that from an objective standpoint is to look at the data analyze the data, and then compare it against what could be considered a recognized benchmark. And those benchmarks, at least in the healthcare world, we're, we've finally gotten to the point where we're maybe not completely focused on benchmarks purely within healthcare. It's finally, maybe within the last 10 to 15 years, become more common to compare yourself against benchmarks that are the ideal or best practices, whether in healthcare or not. Perfect example might be comparing yourself from a customer service standpoint to some of the benchmarks Disney have has, mm. or supply chain management, but looking at Walmart. 
uh, healthcare for a long time kind of considered, I think, considered itself special. And so we didn't typically look outside of healthcare. But just recently, again, within maybe the last 10 or 15 years, I think there's been a much bigger focus on looking at best practices outside of healthcare. And there are benchmarks in those those locations as well that are absolutely worth looking at. So kind of getting back to the question, you know, monitoring key performance indicators is absolutely key for an administrator to be, be successful. And really what those are is a select list of some of the most important metrics of the practice, which what are the most important metrics in the practice is somewhat su- subjective. Uh, I think you could come up with a rather healthy list that the majority of administrators would agree are important, just based on operational and financial uh, expectations. But uh, it honestly could be any type of mixture of metrics, depending on maybe a specific initiative or program that a practice has. But they're ultimately intended to support decision-making. So in this case, kind of like on the clinical side, this is evidence or data-based decision-making. And looking at benchmarks and doing that analysis is really just the beginning. But once you've got that completed, then you can move into the the buy-in phase. You can increase your confidence level in whatever decision it is you're planning to make. As an example, if you're going to buy a new CT scanner and you need to perform some type of business case analysis, there are metrics uh, associated with that that should be part of your decision-making matrix. And it can also, I mean, kind of at its purest point, serve as an objective foundation in which to build. But again, keeping in mind it's, it's not the it's not the end. Uh, this is really the beginning. And context and looking at multiple measures from different different angles helps to increase your confidence and the validity in what it is you're looking at and really the course of action or decision that you're you're planning to make. That's great. And I think you're starting to get into a little bit of this, but um, one of the things that you talk about in the book is if you don't value it, you won't change it. Um, so can you go, can you elaborate on that a little bit and explain what you really mean by that? Yep. So the, the, those two quotes kind of go hand in hand that you can't manage it if you don't measure it, which Yep, that's important. Uh, you're looking at numbers, and you're analyzing the numbers. Uh, but then kind of part two in that is the, if you don't value it, you won't change it. So if you don't value it in the organization, you know, there really isn't that that motivation to make make that change or to at least make that change and then make it enduring. So, uh, again, the, the data helps to support that because ideally you need that data so that you're not making a purely emotional or subjective decision. So there's the data, there is the analysis benchmarking that all support that change. And you still need to make sure you're establishing that value in that change in order to develop the buy-in. So of course, using the data and then focusing on the value and making whatever change it is, you know, is also developing some type of vested interest in the practice, developing the support. And really being able to convince the organization, not only through objective means, which is really the data, the analysis, the benchmarking, but also subjectively that there's that there's value in making a particular change in the organization. And it might be, it might be something like 
should we buy a new CT scanner or should we implement some completely new and revolutionary customer service program? So it really could be just about any new initiative or really change within an organization. Um, so for a practice that maybe has not done any real benchmarking or an administrator that's really new to this, um, where where is the best place to start in trying to sort of create those benchmarks or figure out what those benchmarks are and then move forward from that? So probably the best place to start is really doing an assessment to find out where you can get your data. So luckily in this day and age, most practices have an electronic health record, probably a practice management system and billing software. And generically, most of those software tools should be able to provide you with an Excel extract, even at at the most basic level. So there's an enormous amount of data and any size practice should have access to that data. So again, and probably step one is just to do an assessment to see how much data can you get your hands on? What, you know, it's kind of like an availability assessment. What do you have available to you? Once you've done that, step two is probably Again, look at your environment and where can you get benchmarks from? And MGMA is a perfect example. The better performing practices, the cost surveys, all of the different uh, products that MGMA provides, there's a perfect source for benchmarking data. And then part three in that, and this was what I was challenged for and really what drove Dave Gans and I to put the book together was as a young group practice manager, I couldn't easily locate a definitive source of formulas mm. to assess the practice from all different angles and from different domains. And so that presented itself as a need to establish, ideally, a, a book that references uh, all the key formulas, metrics, and identifies benchmarking sources so that you could perform that assessment. So really, once you get the data together and, uh, and again, identify your benchmarks, then it's just a matter of looking through the different formulas or domains that are you know, rele- relevant to what it is you're trying to do. Sure. And then, so once you've got these benchmarks and you've got your data and you've kind of have that all sort of set out in front of you, what what are some of the keys to understanding whether you're actually improving your practice? Um, how do you really make sure that you're comparing those your numbers correctly to those benchmarks to have a good comparison and to understand where how you're doing? Okay. So that one's um, a little bit of a loaded question. The, the answer is kind of it depends. Mm-hmm. So just as an, as an example, what a lot of practice managers focus on, myself included, is looking at averages of whatever specific measure might be. And depending, this is where the it depends comes into play, depending on what that particular benchmark and measure are kind of determines whether it's better to be below or above. So as an example, uh, a no-show rate. If the benchmark is that you don't want a no-show rate of 5% or more, in your your practice you're showing a no-show rate you know, the average across all your physicians is 4%, so you're below the average, then that suggests you're doing well. 
perhaps room for improvement. Um, if the MGMA data shows total medical revenue after operating cost per FTE physician is 1.1 million, and my practice is at 1.2 million, there I'm, I'm above average. But in this case, with that particular metric, you're doing well. You want to be above average, ideally not below average. So that's where the depends comes mm -hmm. into play. And then the only caveat to that is, is not necessarily focusing on a specific uh, metric. So that none of these metrics should be looked at exclusively in a vacuum. Just keeping in mind there's, there's context in play or really the environment around your organization comes into play. And knowing certain things can tell you whether the data is really suggesting what you think it's suggesting I mean, a perfect example on the total medical revenue after operating cost per FTE physician. If one of my physicians just joined the practice two months ago, they're obviously going to skew my data in the wrong direction because I only have two months of data from them, mm -hmm. not, not the normal 12 months. So just knowing, knowing that type of context, and that was really simplified, will also help you know whether you know, if you're above average, that's a good thing, but maybe you should be far more above average. Uh, just context is important. I guess that's where I'm going with this. Yeah, and no, I think that's really useful to remember and, and not to be so fixated on, on just changing one number, but understanding those numbers within the larger sort of picture. Yep, perfect. Great. Um, and so one of the things, I mean, obviously – a lot of MGMA's traditional members are small or, or solo practices, um, but we've, you know, we have more and more larger organizations or, um, you know, maybe a hospital affiliated uh, organizations. Um, how how do you, how would these organizations be looking at um, benchmarking differently if they're small, a small or solo practice versus if they're a large organization? So, I mean, as an example, looking at the MGMA data, one of the things I typically look at, particularly when I'm going to do some benchmarking against my practice, is I'll look at the demographic characteristics uh, or the descriptive characteristics of the practices that have submitted data. Because ideally, I, I kind of want an apples-to-apples -apples comparison because, you know, I mean, that, what that's really telling me is there's another practice or group of practices out there, ideally, a large sample size that look exactly like me. And so for me to compare against them, it's, it's a perfect comparison with the exception of a few little uh, caveats, which might be geographic or things related to that. But for the most part, you want to get as close to apples to apples. So for a solo physician, independent, for-profit practice to compare itself to a 2,000 physician hospital system, uh, you are so far from apples to apples, you're truly in an apples to oranges type situation that as long as you're aware of that, when you do the data analysis, you can glean from it what you may. But if you start seeing significant differences, uh, again, you've kind of got to keep in mind that you've got an apples to oranges situation with, with the benchmark itself. So I'm not saying, I would never say to a solo practice, disregard that data from that larger system. Just be aware that there is a difference, and depending on what that data is telling you, it may or may not be valid 
or meaningful to you. But I, I wouldn't say don't do it because it's still better to do some measurement than no measurement at all. But uh, again, kind of getting into those that difference, the contextual differences between you know, a hospital system and a solo physician is going to be enormous. Uh, I mean, you can just run down the list of all the differences. And so that's just extremely extreme in that case. Mm-hmm. But I think it kind of drives the point home. But, but again, I don't want to suggest they shouldn't benchmark using that data because it's still better to do it than not do it. Mm-hmm. So again, context really is um, key there. Say, yeah, right? you know, that's a, that's the challenge with benchmarking is, is you can look at data all day long and, and I mean, the data will tell you what the data tells you, but without knowing some background and what the environment consists of and really where the, where the benchmarked data comes from as well, I mean, you're, you're truly living in a vacuum if you're only going to look at that number and try to glean some meaning from it without knowing everything that's kind of going on within that environment. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's really great, really important. Um, And I think that really leads into my next question, which is what are some of the really common pitfalls or mistakes that people make when they're interpreting their data and and comparing their data to benchmarks? So again, probably the biggest one is looking at the data in a vacuum. So not looking at anything else or not looking at, similar measures and formulas to make sure they all kind of suggest the same type of thing. I mean, you should see similar relationships or correlations when you start looking at similar formulas. Uh, Another pitfall has been, uh, or that I've seen, is looking at only one period. So from a time standpoint, Mm. maybe looking at only one day, one week, or one month. So you've really got to look at trending or greater periods of time because they help to smooth seasonal fluctuations and some of the maybe contextual or confounding factors. Again, you might have a physician leave or another physician come in to the practice. And so, again, that helps to smooth things by by looking at a greater period of time. And a good example there is if uh, and this is just an example. If you looked at, say, no-show rate or maybe even overhead on a month-to-month or day-to-day basis, it's probably going to look like alligator teeth. But when you look at it on a year-versus-year-versus-year basis over, say, a 10-year period with the years all lined up on the x-axis, you'll probably see a much smoother relationship and hopefully going in the right direction. Yeah. So, and the the other caveat I would suggest is just be careful of using averages of averages. Mm-hmm. Um, once you start doing, you know, applying formulas to formulas, you're starting to potentially skew the data, and you'll it may not indicate what you think it's indicating. And then the, really the last thing is to not only focus exclusively on averages. It's so easy because we all understand what an average is mm-hmm. so well. But with a lot of data, it would be best if, again, you've got the time, and that's maybe the big challenge here, is to periodically not only do the analysis and compare against the average, but also 
do the analysis and comparison using the median. Only because of the median, fortunately, removes outliers, and the averages will take an outlier into account. Right. That's that's great. Great advice. Why do you think benchmarking um, is something important for healthcare or healthcare organizations to be really looking at and considering in the future? Um, how do you what do you see going forward um, for healthcare organizations? Where bench and what role does that does benchmarking play in that? So I think it's kind of like what we're seeing in the clinical realm is evidence-based clinical protocols, standards of care. So those have been common for a while now, and they, they continue to get used and emphasized. And so I, I think finally the business of medicine is shifting in that same direction, and benchmarking and data, data analysis are perfect for that because it really is evidence and, again, data-based decision-making in its most objective form. Uh, again, the foot stomp would be don't disregard the context. So, you know, with the EHRs, like I mentioned, EHRs, practice management software and billing software, the healthcare industry has become data rich, but many practices have been, have been historically information poor. So it doesn't, doesn't need to be that way. But again, keeping in mind that benchmarking is only the beginning. Well, we've covered a lot of really useful information. Is there anything else that you would want to add or make sure people are thinking about when it comes to benchmarking? No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, you know, again, just look at MGMA, look at what you've got available to you from a benchmark standpoint and be critical of those benchmarks. Don't take them as written in stone. Uh, again, jumping back to my MGMA example is, I looked at what the demographics or the characteristics were of the practices that contributed the data. So don't just take a metric and run with it. Make sure you know where it came from and you've got confidence in the benchmark. Right. Great. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. For more information about Greg's book and to register for annual conference, visit mgma.org slash podcasts.